The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the, into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, how, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. May we have the courage to look at all aspects of our existence, and may that looking be done in the honor of God. Amen. So that is one of the most confusing, convoluted, and uncomfortable Gospels that we as a faith community have the opportunity to grapple with. I have heard the parable of the dishonest manager referred to by biblical scholars as the problem child of parables. Indeed. Let me recap it for you in case you, like me, block uncomfortable things out upon first hearing, even if you've actually heard them many times before. Jesus tells another tricky parable. There is a rich man who has in his employment a manager who has been squandering his property. So he calls this man to task. The parable immediately preceding this is the one of the prodigal son, wherein the younger son squanders his dad's property. Squandering seems to be a common thread. Carelessness with money seems to be a problem. 
Now, the manager knows he is going to be fired, and not being strong enough to do manual labor or humble enough to beg, he hatches a plan to get into the good graces of some of the community members before he is rendered destitute. He goes to the rich man's debtors and has them change their bills so that they, in effect, owe less on paper than they actually owe. Now, somehow the rich man finds out about his manager's little scheme, and instead of suing him, he commends him. He actually praises him for his shrewdness and dishonesty. And not only that, but Jesus commends him too. Jesus says that his disciples, the children of light, could learn something from this guy. But what can they or we possibly learn from a lying, cheating, squandering, corrupt, dishonest manager? What did he do that we are somehow called to emulate? Well, I am going to dig a little deep here. But one thing I see him doing is using his God-given gifts of being a critical thinker and a problem solver to secure a future for himself after his pensionless forced retirement. The other thing he did was to use the power and money at his disposal to build relationships. He is still dishonest, self-absorbed, and acting solely out of self-interest. And for that, I have to lean on something that Tony said last week about parables and the fact that we will never know the whole of what Jesus was saying in a parable. It won't all be explained. But there is one thing in this parable that seems obnoxiously clear. Jesus says that the children of light, his faithful, holy disciples, have something to learn from the shrewd manager. And it seems to be connected to money and the use of resources. Now, the disciples then, along with so many of us today, who consider ourselves to be followers of Christ, they didn't like to mix money and faith. So often in church, when we hear this particular gospel, we focus only on the last line, rendering Jesus' message simplistic and one-dimensional. You cannot serve God and wealth. Got it. So I cannot serve God and wealth. That must mean that when I'm in church, I will not talk about money. I will not pray about money. I will not mess with the spiritual nature of my time in my faith community by focusing on such a tricky, complicated, and earthly topic, such as money. For me personally, this is compounded by the fact that I am a lifelong swamp Yankee New Englander. We don't talk about money outside of church either. Unless, of course, we're talking about the money that we're not spending. I grew up in a culture of frugality, and thus I feel I have bragging rights about not having a cable bill, a data plan, or a car loan. But not many people have heard me admit how important Starbucks drive throughs are to my ability to be a sane mother of two car seat-bound children. Because if I admitted to the importance of Starbucks drive throughs you would know a little bit about how I spend my money 
And the seemingly unnecessary use of my money is not something that I want to call to light or talk about. And there are more serious money topics that we avoid, too, aren't there? We don't talk about our fear that we might not be able to cover our mortgage payments this month or our fear of being laid off or how terrifying it is to have been laid off six months ago and still not have a solid job prospect. We don't talk about an unjust global economy in that it is fed by our way of life as Americans. We don't want to talk about that. We don't want to talk about anything that might either call into question our financial choices or reveal our financial anxieties. Whether we have a lot of money or a little, whether we spend it or save it or have an excess or clearly do not have enough, it is hard to talk about it. And somehow it feels ungodly to talk about it in church. The thing is, when we don't talk about money and when we act as if it isn't a major thing in our lives, when we compartmentalize faith and money in two separate rooms in our head and our hearts, not only do we not allow money to factor into our faith, but we forget to let faith factor into how we see and use our money. And I intentionally say how we use our money, because what Jesus is preaching against again and again and again is not letting money use us, not letting it have a hold on us, not being a slave to its grip, not letting it become our master, holding it loosely, yet carefully and intentionally, seeing it as a shared resource rather than a personal lifeline. Now, our anxiety about money is not new. If you open your Bible, which even we Episcopalians do on occasion, you will see four or five stories about money just on the couple of pages that this parable is on. It's kind of odd that we don't talk more about money in church because Jesus talked about money all the time. God made us as whole people, and for better or worse, money is an integrated part of our human experience. Having it, needing it, wanting it, losing it, gaining it, sharing it. When we see the flooding in Colorado or the devastation in Syria, and we are moved to do something, when compassion is bursting out of us and looking for a way to help alleviate the pain of the other, We pray, and often we are moved to do something more. So we send money. And we do that not as a compromise to actually being there, and not to alleviate our own survivor's guilt, but we do it as an act of faith. Because money can be sacramental when it alleviates the suffering of another, or enables the growth of another, Or reaches out to another in a life-giving way. Money in the context of our faith can be part of a personal spiritual practice. Maybe 
for one prayerful hour of your work week, you dedicate the income of that hour to the work of the one who created us, to the bigger picture, to the needs of others. Money in the context of our faith can be a communal effort. Maybe we all, all of us, will give at least one dollar to our building project so that when we walk into our new parish house and minister in it, we know we are surrounded by walls that were built by all of us together. Money in the context of our faith is sacramental. We bring the fruits of our labor here and put a bit of it in a plate and hold it up over the altar, offering it to the work of God in this place and beyond. Money in the context of our faith is something that the faith community grapples with together and supports one another in together. Maybe if you are struggling financially, you will come here and this community will help you to find the resources that you need. Money in the context of our faith is something we pray about, whether we need it for survival or for, to, for doing something that's new and exciting or for broadening the reach and the impact of our ministries. Maybe we will pray about it. Maybe we will even pray for it. Money in the context of our faith is about a relationship with God. God wants to be our primary relationship, not unlike a marriage. Now, can you imagine a marriage where money is never spoken of? Okay, that might be quite lovely, actually. But it wouldn't be realistic or functional. It wouldn't be an authentic relationship. And God wants to be an authentic relationship with each of us. God wants to be involved in all aspects of our life. And money is a significant aspect of our life, whether or not we want it to be. We need only turn to the gospel to know that money is not a taboo topic or an evil entity. In fact, it is a tool in most of our ministries. It is a necessity in many of our basic needs. And it is a blessing when it is used carefully, prayerfully, mindfully, and lovingly. We children of light may have something to learn from that shrewd manager. Jesus wanted us to see something of value in him, something about the importance of relationship, something about being real around money, perhaps something about wisdom in the midst of turmoil. May we learn from that shrewd manager. And may that learning be something that brightens our light, authenticates our experience in a faith community, sanctifies our relationship with money, and strengthens the power of God's love in and among us. Amen.